0: Hey everyone, it's Kayla here, coming alive from the inside of my bedroom closet, ready to record and bring you the first episode of my brand new podcast, Failing Miserably, Ordinary People Fucking Up Extraordinarily. Alrighty. So, since this is the first episode of my first podcast ever and I'm assuming that a portion of my listeners probably not a very big portion on the first episode because I'm assuming a lot of the people that are tuning in right now are probably friends and family members and people that love me and want to support this crazy thing that I've decided to do. Um but if you're not one of those people yet, then I thought it might be helpful for you to just kind of know a little bit about who you're listening to. And then I will tell you a little bit about why I decided to go ahead and record this specific type of podcast. All right, so I am 28 years old, and I'm a lifetime resident of the Central Valley here in California, not to be confused with the San Fernando Valley. I am up in the armpit of the state with all of the dairy cows, citrus trees, and almonds. Um, If you are into personality type assessments, which I very much am, I am like, give me all of that shit. Let me take all the tests. I'm so here for it. Um, Real quickly, my astrology big three placements are Cancer Sun, Scorpio Moon, Libra Rising. I am a INFJ when it comes to the MBTI. And then if you're super into the more popular currently um, Enneagram thing, I am a Enneagram four wing five. So basically, I am a mostly introverted person. Um, I appear to be slightly less introverted when I am in the company of super close friends or family. I can actually come across as being kind of extroverted, I think, in those cases. And I'm also really good at doing the whole fake it till you make it thing when I have to socialize for work. Um, but at the end of the day, I do like coming home to my apartment and not having to interact with anyone other than my cat, uh, who is Nico. She's pretty awesome. Um, because of, I guess the introversion, I like to recharge my batteries and have peace and quiet to think and process and do all of that kind of stuff, like in the company of my own self. So I decided to do this podcast because like so many other people in this world right now, my routine has been pretty interrupted because of the pandemic we're in at the moment. Um, As somebody that just said that they're an introvert, I actually really did enjoy going out and eating many places and being able to see my friends when I wanted to see them. Um, So it's been difficult. My work schedule has been interrupted and there's been some uncertainty and some instability just kind of surrounding all of that, which is probably not um, something that's very uncommon right now. I'm sure that a lot of people that will tune in and listen to this are going through um, just the stress and the anxiety that comes with being in a state of instability and kind of like uncharted waters for most of the people that are alive on this planet right now. Um, Ultimately, you know, I had a really hard time for about the first three or four weeks of the pandemic. And then I realized there's not any point in sitting in my apartment and crying over things that are not in my control at all. And I'm trying to just use The extra spare time that I have right now um, to be more creative and to take the time to do things that I normally would not be able to do, you know, without all this extra time and basically seclusion on my hands. Um, I have a hard time saying no to commitments or saying no to being invited to things by friends. And I think because of that, I have put a lot of, um, I don't know, just like personal things that I think would probably bring me a lot of joy just on the back burner. And that's my own fault. It's not the fault of people that have invited me to things at all. Um, it's just that I am not always good at prioritizing things that will maybe make me feel better and more developed long-term as opposed to just saying yes to something kind of in the moment. Um, I think that that's the trouble with sometimes being a little too happy to be spontaneous about stuff. Um, So I am, I'm grateful to have this time and I don't know how much time I will actually have, you know, where I am in a place where I'm not working, you know, eight hours a day. So I am excited to be able to have the extra time and space and privilege uh, to even be able to try and attempt to do something like this. So I'm, I'm thinking that um, just having the routine of sitting down and hopefully podcasting regularly, if I can get people to be on this thing, will bring me like a lot of joy in the short term, just because it's something I've wanted to do creatively for a really long time. Um, I think overall, like creative projects are something that it's almost like schoolwork. Like I do get a lot of enjoyment and excitement out of doing these things, but it's just kind of like sitting down and making it happen and making it a priority. That's been something I've struggled with in the past. So I am, I'm, I'm excited to be able to make this the thing that I'm kind of focusing on for now and hopefully far, far, far into the future. Um, I thought it would be a good idea to pick a show kind of like this, where we talk about, the moments where people have really fucked things up or really failed at things or have just struggled through life in general, because those are the kinds of conversations with people that I feel are the most interesting. And they help you to know people and connect with people on a deeper level than just talking about the weather or talking about what kind of movies and TV you like. Not that those aren't, you know, valid things to exchange with a person, but I think I'm someone that's just kind of like, okay, like, can we get past all the smell talk and all the bullshit and like talk about real things? Like, I want to know you like that, which I feel like is something sometimes people are a little afraid to do. Like, I... If you get me to like open up to you, like I will totally deep dive after the first like hour of knowing someone, but it's just kind of like establishing that level of comfort. And I think that's something that I'm really hoping to be able to do with this podcast is to have people on here where they feel comfortable, they feel supported. Like I will totally reveal the yuckier parts of myself if it helps other people feel like they can do the same thing because I don't know it's important to be able to like talk through stuff and release it and I also think that just being able to like verbally process like a situation in your life or some kind of a hardship with another person gives you like perspective and insight that maybe you didn't have before when you were only seeing it from your own angle so I'm hoping that you know I can share with you guys with my listeners and with other people that I have come on the podcast um And that they're able to help me reframe the way that I see things. And maybe in some cool world, like I will be able to help them reframe the way that they see things. And the most amazing thing ever would be if we could get like listeners to chime in and be like, hey, like you shared this and it helped me. And I also see it from this angle. So we're all just kind of like this network of like fucked up people, like helping each other through their bullshit. That would be my dream. (laughs) All right. So the first time I can really remember failing like totally miserably was (laughs) I was in the third grade and my mom made me go to my next door neighbor's flag football game and it was over at a local elementary school So we drove over there, went to the game. I got super bored because I was like, hey, I'm eight years old. I don't like football. I don't know what's going on. You're asking me to sit still in a folding chair for like two hours. Not going to happen. So I asked my mom if I could go play on some playground equipment that was nearby. And she was like, yeah, sure, whatever. Get out of my hair. Let me be. So I went off to go do that. And I think there was like some other boy... That was, like, maybe a little bit older than me. Like, maybe, like, 10 or something. I don't really know. Um, Playing on the playground equipment. And I was, like, I'm going to be so impressive. Like, I am going to be... I'm going to impress this boy. He's going to like me. He is going to think I'm super cute. And, like, he's going to be my boyfriend or whatever. Um, So I climbed up on these... They weren't monkey bars in the sense that you, like... You go from bar to bar. They were, I want to say, kind of like the Olympic bars that they have for gymnastics where you can do flips and stuff on them. And I was, like, pretty flexible. I don't know what being flexible has to do with, with anything. Um, I was flexible, but I wasn't the most coordinated kid ever. Like, I had been in baton, and I hated it because every time I threw the baton up in the air, it would fly back down and just smack me in the face no matter how hard I tried. Um, I had really bad hand-eye coordination as a kid. And I think my physician was like, you have to put her in something or she's not going to be able to chew bubblegum and talk at the same time when she's an adult. So that's how I ended up in the Baton. Um, but anyway, so I like climbed up the slippy bars thinking like, I look cute. I'm going to impress this boy with my skills. And I got up there and I remember my hands were like a little bit sweaty and I was like, it's okay. It's going to be fine. Like, it's this is a great idea. So I go up there to start flipping around. And I go to, like, make my first little flippy loop or whatever you want to call it. And uh, my hands were wet from sweat. And I slipped and I fell right on my fucking nose. And I remember standing up and feeling the sand just completely because I fell into sand. Um, just feeling the sand, like completely embedded all the way, like up in my nose and in my face. And then there was just blood, like gushing, just really like gushing down my shirt. And I'm like in shock. My nose hurts really fucking bad. And I like hobbled over to my mom, like in a daze and she looks at me and she starts freaking out and she like throws me down into a chair and is like trying to wipe the blood off, trying to like see what's going on with my nose. And then our next door neighbor, who was like sitting next to us, uh like grabs me off the chair and throws me off the chair because there's like a fucking black widow chilling under the armrest, trying to climb up there and bite the fuck out of me while I'm bleeding out and like practically dying. So it was a really, 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 really bad afternoon. And like not only was my ego hurt from you know, not being able to look super cute for that boy who I hope to God I never saw again, or he's going to always probably have this like traumatic memory of the time that the girl on the playground went all like carry on his ass because she fell off the bars. Like and there was like the sting of that level of like embarrassment. And then there was the sting of the blood in the nose. And then there was the sting of almost getting bit by a spider and getting thrown off the chair So yeah, um, my mom, not being the greatest parent in the world, which we can talk about at some other time, asked me, would you like to go to the ER or do you just want to let it heal? And eight-year-old me was like, I don't want to go to the fucking ER. Like I had a friend who had broke their nose and they went to the ER and the doctor had to reset their nose and it was awful. And I was like, no, like just, just take me home. So she takes me home. And I think I was supposed to have picture day that following Monday. So there's like a third grade picture of me, I think, with like a scabby ass nose or some shit. Um, But it actually, it never healed right. And because, you know, eight year old Kayla was giving the choice of, do you want to go to the ER? Do you want to sit home and let it not heal properly? Um, I now have the worst like allergies and sinus infections. And upper respiratory problems, ever. Like, I can't run without having a hard time breathing, and I've had sinus x-rays done, and my septum's totally deviated and jacked up. So yeah, I mean, that was probably, like, my first taste of real failure was, like, third grade, trying to look cute, definitely not looking cute, and then being like, hey, I'm old enough to be like, I don't want to go to the doctor don't make me go to the doctor. My mom was like, okay, you don't have to go to the doctor. Probably didn't want to play that deductible. Can't fucking blame her. Kids are expensive. And then I now have like the nerdiest health condition ever. Like, is there anything more nerdy than having chronic allergies and sinus infections? Don't get sick with the flu. Probably won't get COVID. Uh, definitely like never get sick with anything other than like allergy issues because, when I was eight, I tried to, like, I don't know, woo some boy with my gymnastics. All right, so the biggest failure that I have faced as an adult, oh, this is gonna be a fun one to share with you guys. But if you know me in real life, you probably can guess what's coming, um was getting divorced. So I guess a little backstory on that entire situation is that I, Met my ex-husband when I was, I think, 12 years old in middle school, and we had like this little junior high kind of boyfriend-girlfriend situation for a very short amount of time in the seventh grade, and then again briefly in the eighth grade. Um, and then we broke up or did whatever middle school kids do and um, went to different high schools, didn't have contact, and then I think I messaged him on MySpace, wow, I've just totally aged myself. <laughs> uh, when I was 18 years old, got back in touch, we started hanging out and then we started hooking up and then we started dating. And that became a full-blown relationship. I think by the time I was, yeah, just barely over, barely over 18. I was fresh out of high school. My birthday is in mid June. So I think we were, we were dating by July. Um, and it was a relationship um, that I took super seriously from, I think kind of the get go. I had dated, I had like a long-term boyfriend throughout high school that was kind of, he was a jerk. (laughs) And, um, there was a couple other guys that I had dated kind of casually between dating that guy in high school. And then I met my eventual spouse and he was just so sweet. And I thought he was very different and very kind and funny and goofy. I was just like, like, I I love this guy. I am going to spend the rest of my life with him. Like, I just know it. Like, this is the one. So because of that, uh, I had, I don't know, I had a lot of dreams of, like, I was like a theater kid in high school. And I thought that I was going to go to uh, theater school. I had auditioned and they had called to follow up about me finalizing my application and, you know, getting all that done. And then I met my ex and I was like, mm, I have a job right now. Like, I don't need to go away for, th- for theater school. Like I have a boyfriend that loves me and that's like super important. So, you know, let's flush that gold down the toilet. <laughs> so uh, we did, we dated for a couple of years. My ex uh, joined the Army National Guard and then we moved in together And I think, like, around the point that we would have been about 20, 21, when he had came out of the National Guard, like, basic training program, I had realized that, like, a lot of things about us had changed. And we were just growing into people that I think were a lot different uh, from when we were 18. Not so much me. Like, I... I don't know. I feel like I am somebody that has kind of been consistently a pretty somewhat the same person in a lot of ways. I think I mean, like in the sense of like morality and I don't know, ideologies and stuff. Like I've always been, even from a child, just very like, I don't want to say that I was liberal when I was a kid, but I was just very accepting of, of people and people's lifestyles and never really questioned anything of that nature. Like it was just always like, yeah, I like love people, even if they're different from you kind of a, a mentality. And like, as an adult, that's something that's very important to me. And I'm definitely not somebody that I would consider conservative in that way at all. Um, and my ex, I think, I don't know, something about being in the military and going through that kind of training and, and being, sent out to certain like short-term deployments that he had. Like he just was very much not the same person that I had initially met um, at all. Like he was just a little bit, he was just different. I don't know if you know somebody that has been through any process like that. I think it's pretty easy to say that they are in some way changed by going away and, and, and being put in types of situations that you may be experiencing in the military. I'm not trying to put anyone in the military down. I think it's a viable career source. And if that's what people want to do, then they should do it. I just know that ultimately, like, it's probably a big life change or adjustment. And that causes people to grow in different ways. It's all I'm getting at there. Um, but for us, like it was definitely, you know, there was a little bit more of a gap between, you know, the person, the people that we started off, in the relationship as, and then the people that we were, you know, I think at that point of the relationship around the time we were 20, 21 years old. um, So I, I, that's when I really first started noticing changes. And I was just kind of like, you know what, like, this is just growing pains. Like we're getting older, we're maturing. And I just kind of, you know, left it at that. And I don't know, I felt less close to him, I think at that point. But at the same time, I was like, you know, when you love somebody, it's not always easy. And you have to accept the fact that like, when you are together, you're not going to always be who you were when the relationship started. I don't know. I think I made, I made a lot of excuses for behaviors and for ways that I was treated just because I, I thought that that's kind of what being in a relationship felt like. I also had parents that got divorced and I was super young. So I don't know that I necessarily had the best Relationship role models at that point. Um, My biological mom, that I actually don't have a lot of contact with anymore, I haven't seen her in a really long time, um, just has not ever set good examples of relationships. And while that's not an excuse for choices that I make at 28 years old, um, it definitely, I think, just kind of put me at a disadvantage um, when I was younger because I just didn't have that type of like great role model coming from a mother. And um, I I think that maybe that was a little bit of a deficit um, for that relationship. But I stuck it out and decided, you know, like, this is the person I love. Love is sacrifice. We'll find a way to make it work. And when we were 23, we decided we were going to get married because we had been together for five years. Um, there was kind of an opportunity on a table for our, him to take a, like, military job where I could move with him if we were married. And that was a big deciding factor <laughs> in the decision to get married in the first place. We ended up not doing that or going that route after all. Um, and then, I don't know, I think there was a small honeymoon period post-wedding where it was just kind of like, yeah. You know, like, I am excited to be this person's wife. Like, it doesn't feel that different than being his girlfriend, but I'm I'm excited to, like, be a wife. But I feel like the tricky part about that, too, was then, like, being a wife also felt like a really good excuse to be, like, a super shitty friend and to not make efforts in relationships. Um, Because I think that I, it was hard for me at that time to, like, put energy into my husband and then want to put energy into myself and put energy into other people in my life and put energy into going to school and put energy into working. It was just like, I felt like I couldn't do it all. And I just kind of wanted to like bunker down and focus on being married and not focus on having friends, which is super, super lame. I know that like a lot of married people are probably, if married people are listening to this, they're like, but your husband or your spouse comes first. And yes, like obviously the marriage is going to be like one of the most important things in your life. But at the same time, I think it's also really important to have your own identity and to have your own friendships and to have your own hobbies and to have your own things that, you know, set your soul on fire and make you happy and bring you joy because... There's just no guarantee with forever. And I don't mean that in the sense of just like divorce, but I mean, in the sense that things happen to people's partners and you don't want to be in a place where, you know, if something happens to the person that you love, no matter what it is, like, you're just like, Oh, like I have, I have nothing to fall back on at all. I have no support system from other people. I have, you know, I have no hobbies or interests. Everything I know was tied into this one human being. And ultimately, you know, that was like the kind of person that I had become. My entire world revolved around him. And then when I found out that he was having an affair with a coworker, it was like the biggest surprise that I had ever been hit with. But at the same time, like I wasn't surprised at all. I think that the marriage had gotten to a point to where it was just there really wasn't a lot of love left in it. And while I felt like I I loved him because it was my duty to love him at that point, like, I don't think I had love for him anymore. And I definitely don't think that he had love or a lot of respect for me. Um, We had just grown apart a lot with ideologies and interests and really just found a hard found it hard, I think, to find any common ground by the end. So I think having everything kind of blow up in my face <laughs> and um, being forced to just address all the problems and have everything drug out on the table like that was probably the biggest like blessing I could have had in terms of that entire relationship just kind of coming to a head. Um, because I think I have a tendency to have like a really avoidant personality at times. I don't like Being in places where I feel uncomfortable, like I'm just so let me stay in my safety net and let me do what I know. And let me not have to have a life that feels hard or feels unstable. And there were moments, you know, like after I had found out about the affair where I thought, well, like if he'll stay with me, then I can just pretend like this never happened. And I don't have to go through the hardship of getting divorced. And I don't have to do this. And I don't have to feel uncomfortable. And I can just kick it under the table. And I won't have to figure out how to live on my own and support myself by myself and blah, 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 blah. And I don't know. There was just – there was a moment like initially like right after it happened where I called my dad And I was like, listen, like I just found out that my husband had an affair and I'm telling you right now, even though like it's super raw and I haven't had time to process any of it because I need somebody to know. So somebody will hold me accountable. So I can't just like pretend like I have no idea. And I feel like looking back at that and looking back. I don't know, I guess at any point of my life where I feel the most sad for myself is kind of wrapped up in that moment because it was just like, I have to tell somebody to make me be accountable because there's a part of myself that just doesn't love or want to advocate or go through something difficult enough because A, like, it's going to be hard. B, I... (laughs) I didn't want to be the person that got divorced at 26 and see like, I know people are going to look at me with so much pity and I just don't feel like I can handle it. But I'm, I'm glad that like, even though I felt that way at the at the time that I was able to just kind of like push past it and tell someone, um, I feel like that was probably like the hardest step to take out of everything, um, not filing for divorce, not moving out, but just kind of getting the ball rolling and telling somebody. So yeah, I, I failed miserably at 26 years old by having my entire like relationship that, you know, was like, gosh, it would have been about an eight year relationship at that point. Um, just fall apart on me. My ex-husband was kind of everything I knew as far as adulthood went. And I had like a really shitty (laughs) first probably year, I think, coming out of it. But, you know, I'm here today and we're in the middle of a global pandemic. And there are moments where I feel terrified and I feel uncertain. And I'm just like, how will I get through this? How will I get through this? And then I stop and I look back at the time that, you know, I was alone up here going through divorce and I got through it. So... it's funny to me, like I'm very much the kind of person that is like everything in life is just a stepping stone for another situation. And the hardship that we go through is only making us tougher because life, I don't think ever really gets easier. There might be moments where there like aren't bumps in the road and everything feels like peachy and great and fantastic. And I'm so glad for that. But at the same time, I don't think that it's ever really going to be smooth the way that like romantic movies or i don't know disney culture teaches us things will work out you know it's not linear i guess is all i'm saying but it's funny to be able to sit back here and be like i'm really grateful for this terrible thing that happened to me um because i learned so much from it and i think like the biggest things that i got from being a person that experienced divorce at a young age was that a like, okay, I'm going to stop doing the whole like ABCDE thing. I'm such a list person. I'm so sorry. Um, but some of the biggest things that I, I gathered from going through a divorce at a young age was just kind of like people aren't going to judge you any harder than you judge yourself. So stop being ashamed to be the 26-year-old that's divorced. Um, I have been in a weird place with religion for most of my life. Um, my parents were on, I guess, like opposing, like kind of somewhat oppositional viewpoints of religion. Um, when I was born, my mom was a Southern, like Baptist. And my dad uh, was raised Catholic and went through communion and confirmation and all that kind of stuff, first communion and confirmation and everything like that. And, um, as a child, like I was brought up in this weird in between space where it was like, well, we believe in God, but we're not going to go to church because we don't agree upon church and we don't feel like practicing. I don't know. It was just weird. It was just a weird situation. Like, I've always been somebody that has believed in something bigger than myself, but like, I just didn't really actively pursue that or want anything to do with that, I think, until I was a lot older. And it's funny because if you would have asked me as a person, I think that was fearful of like going to church or being involved in a church, if I thought that the time would come when I would finally go would be when I was 26 and like in the middle of a divorce, like I would have laughed at you. Um, because I was just like, so, so, so afraid, I think to walk into a place like that and, um, just feel totally and completely like judged by the people around me for being this idiot that got divorced at such a young age, but I was wrong. Like, and I'm so happy that I was proved wrong by the community that I have right now. Um, of just like amazing and wonderful, completely normal, kind people that have never like looked at me like I'm awful for, <laughs> I don't know, getting married at 23 and divorced at 26. Um, so I think I definitely like put a lot more weight on myself for that and felt shame for that um, than anybody else ever could have made me feel. My dad and stepmom um, have always just been super supportive of me and my choices, and they're both like, "Hey, like we want you to be happy. Like we're so glad that you know if you had to go through this, you're going through it at the age you are now. You still have time to like have a family and do all of that." So I'm great. I'm grateful that it happened, definitely when it did. Um, and then on top of that, I feel like if I would have stayed married. I would have, I think, never grown into a person that I could have tolerated or liked or loved just because of the relationship that I was in, like, didn't give me the time or the tools or the resources that I needed to ever really, like, work on myself and be the kind of person that I wanted to be. Um, it's hard, I think when you're in a codependent relationship to develop things like resilience or to develop things like, I don't know, just learning to be self-reliant because there's always the safety net of having another person there. Even if they're an awful person, you still kind of, you have that weird sense of security that you don't necessarily have as a single person. I, I don't know. I hope that makes sense. And I hope that doesn't sound offensive to anyone either because it's not my intention. Again, this is all just you know personal personal experiences. Um, but yeah, moving moving into my own apartment officially by myself at twenty six was awesome. Like it's not that I didn't know how to like pay bills or like set up utilities or cable or anything like that because that's all stuff that like I had done as an adult in a relationship. But I think just learning to, like, come home to yourself and only yourself um, as an adult is a really, like, great thing to be able to do. Um, I think that's important, you know, to be able to come home and sit in silence with only your own thoughts and your own opinions and to have to, like, learn how to be okay with being silent and having, I don't know, being surrounded by silence and to learn to love and enjoy your own company and not fill all of your spare time with the presence of another human being. Because when you do that, like when I was married and I would come home from work, like I would come home, I would start laundry, I would start dinner, I would be cleaning the house. If I was in school, I was doing homework. Like it was never, like there wasn't a whole lot of me Time at all. Um, it was just always like taking care of things, taking care of my husband, taking care of business, making sure that he, you know, was tended to, or whatever. And it, it's funny. like I when I first moved out on my own, like I kind of compared it to a kid going away to college for the first time. It was like I had the realization of like, oh, this is my space, and like I can decorate it the way that I want to. And I can eat ice cream for dinner if I want to, or I can not eat dinner if I want to. If I don't cook tonight, nobody's going to be upset. And if I want to wait a couple of days to do laundry, nobody's going to be upset. I can be as clean as I want. I can be as messy as I want. It was just like, oh, wow, like this is, this is like wild. And (laughs) that was probably one of the most like joyful experiences was just to like have freedom to be able to, I guess, live life at my own pace. And to set my own schedule and not have to worry about coming home at the end of every day and making somebody else happy. And it gave me, I guess, the space to learn how to really like figure out what I wanted to do and how to make myself happy. But I guess the hard part about that is when it's not something you've ever really learned how to do as an adult, there's like this weird period of just like anxiety. Like, when I first moved out, I was just so stoked to have my own apartment to myself and to be able to decorate it that like, I think for the first month, I was like, this is great. Like I should have gotten divorced years ago. I can do what I want. Like I have all this freedom in my own space. I don't have to like dress a certain way to make another person happy or do any of that stuff anymore. And then like when the shininess of having all of that kind of wore off, it was just like, well, wait a minute. Like, have all this time to do whatever I want but I don't know what I want to do because I haven't had freedom as an adult to really even consider that and it was just like oh my gosh like what do I do with all this free time and all this space like I don't know anybody here like I don't have any friends here I don't have any hobbies I don't have time I've never had time for hobbies it's like who am I who do I want to be what do I want to do and then, like, not having any sense of identity at all at that point was just – it was super hard. Um, it was super hard, and it was lonely, and it was isolating. And I think the only time that I really started to, like, initially feel better was I have, like, this amazing group of friends that I've known, gosh, for, like, 10-plus years now, some of whom I was, like, super close to when I was, like, in high school and just out of high school prior to the relationship really – taking center stage. Um, and they just kind of reached out to me and were like, Hey, like, we know you're going through shit right now. Like, I know it's been a while. We love you and we care about you and like, let's get together. So I think like having those kinds of relationships and being able to focus on friendships because of going through the divorce was a big part of me. I think learning more about myself and learning how to be happy. Um, which sounds weird because it's kind of like you hop from one relationship to other relationships. Um, But I feel like these were people that just supported me in ways that allowed me to be authentic, which my marriage really wasn't doing anymore. Um, And I think the first time that I really ever like felt unconditional love outside of my own, probably family, Uh, Was getting close to these people and these friends like I am super grateful that, you know, I have a handful of people in my life now where I could like call up and be losing my shit and being crying, be crying or just I don't know having like panic over dumb crap. And they'll just be like, Kayla, like, calm down. Like, it's cool. We love you. We'll take care of it together. Like, if you need help or whatever, like, we'll help you figure it out. Or I could just, I don't know, be batshit off the rails for the stupidest of reasons. And they're just like, hey, like, you're crazy, but we love you unconditionally. Like, I could go and burn down somebody's house and I think they would love me unconditionally. I have no plans to commit arson. I promise. That's not my thing. <laughs> but, but the having like that, I don't know, having those kind of, of like more developed friendships where it's not. Like, nobody's in that kind of a friendship or a relationship because they're trying to, like, gain anything personally or have somebody, like, necessarily, like, take care of them or whatever. It's just – it feels really freeing and it feels really gratifying. And it's nice to, like, be friends with people, I think, that see you for who you are and know you for who you are and pay attention to, I don't know, the things about you that make you feel like you have value I feel like I've kind of gone on a rambly tangent with that one so I'm sorry I hope it I hope it makes a little bit more sense um in playback but I am I'm grateful for having the friendships that I have now and if I didn't get divorced I wouldn't have them so yeah that's really that's I think like a big key to all of this I think the biggest thing that I kind of walked away from this relationship knowing was just everything that I, I didn't want in future relationships or experiences um and that's been I think such an important and valuable lesson like I am very lucky that things ended before you know I ever had a child or you know, this didn't carry forth into my thirties to where it would make it really difficult to like move on and have a family. Like I still have, I still have time and I'll be honest. I mean, it's something that I do worry about and kind of dwell on sometimes, you know, I'm almost 29 years old and I have had, I kind of dated somebody for a little bit, like right out of the divorce. Um, and that didn't work out, but, and I've gone on dates and I've done dating since leaving, um, leaving that relationship, but I haven't like met, you know, the next person that I would hope to have life with. And sometimes that does stress me out a little bit, but again, like I really do have faith ultimately in the process of, of life and like what will come to me, I guess, in the future. Um, and I, I'm lucky because now, you know, I do, I know like what I want and what I'm looking for. And when I am dating, I can walk into those situations, I guess, with like the confidence of knowing exactly like what I want and what I will accept and what I won't accept. And, and the kind of person that I, you know, want to date. It's, it's funny. Cause like I used to I think as a younger, like, less mature person, like, look at people and be like, well, you know, they're really cute. Um, and they're interested in the same things that I'm interested in. So, like, that would be a good match. Whereas now I'm just trying to look at relationships under the scope of how does this person make me feel? You know, like, like, how do I feel when I'm with them? How do I feel when I give them my time? How... Do I feel when they respond to the things that I care about in a certain way? I feel like looking at relationships and dating in general with that lens is just, it's a lot healthier and it'll help me to kind of get more of what I'm wanting out of those kinds of situations instead of just kind of focusing on. I don't want to say that like having common interests and stuff is superficial because I think that it's nice to have, you know, things that you share in common so that you can bond over them and. And, you know, it's easier to build a, re- a relationship based out of, like, commonality or, you know, get things going when you have things in common. But, I mean, ultimately, like, that's not what's going to sustain the love. Like, the fact that you both love, like, Quentin Tarantino films or the same bands or whatever, like, that's not going to be the kind of stuff that keeps the relationship together 20 30, 40, 50 years down the road, you know, and I just, I want something that is going to last. I want to be able to have a couple of like cool kids that, I don't know, had a mom and dad that were just like so stupid and like gross in their love that it was a little repulsive and a little cringy. Like I want to have children that grow up in that kind of a household where they, they have parents that loved and respected each other. And we're truly, like, a team. I think another big thing that I learned, you know, is that partnership is just so important to me. And it's not that I'm, like, such a stickler over, like, gendered roles in, like, a feminist sort of way. I mean, I do consider myself to be a feminist, definitely. But, like, I'm not going to be offended if my husband's, like, you know, I'll cut the grass if you do the dishes. As long as there's, like, 50-50 for the most part and things if I feel supported and loved and cared for, like, I don't, I'm not necessarily like worried about gendered chores. Um, cause that's kind of, I don't know, in a way that feels a little petty to me. Um, except when it comes to cooking, like I, you got to help me cook or you got to clean up the kitchen afterwards. (laughs) And I hope that like women aren't listening to this and being like, Oh wow, you've set us back 50 years. Because again, I just, I mean that like on a personal level, like, freedom of choice and ultimately like as long as things feel like they're shared and I'm not pulling all the weight while the other person is going to work and then coming home and sitting on their butt all day then I'm going to be a happy camper is all I'm really getting at you know and it's just like the older I get the more that I I feel like I just really crave simplicity in relationships like I'm a person that struggles I think to know I like to know where I stand with people I don't like to play guessing games and the reason I don't like to play guessing games was I think because of the end of like my marriage like I just felt like I questioned a lot of you know my husband's feelings for me which obviously was for good reason he was off you know not being faithful and I think instinctively I knew that and now when I can't tell if somebody is like hey I like you or, hey, like, I don't like you. If there's just, like, this weird gray area of in between, like, it just makes me super uncomfortable. It's like, I just I want to know where I stand with people. I want things to be, like, simple. Like, you like me. Ask me out. I don't know. That kind of a thing. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that I've just learned more about, you know, who I am, what I want, what I'm looking for. And I'm grateful for that because I can walk into a relationship without, you know, that kind of uncertainty. But now I feel like the real challenge with dating comes from just like learning how to date in this century. And now we're in the middle of pandemic and I'm just like, Oh, like this is all extra complicated, even, even more. So it's like people date on dating apps and stuff like that. And that was like absolutely not a thing at all when I was 18 which was like, you know, the last time other than the, you know, the more present couple of years that I had really been single. Um, So that feels like a big learning curve, because a lot of my friends or people that I know are like, you have to be open to it, because that's what everybody does now, unless you're really just gonna like, tell every person you know, like, hey, like, I'm interested in dating somebody, like, you got to get over it. So I mean, that comes with its challenges. I'm not I'm not an interesting text messenger if I don't know somebody and I hate making small talk on dating apps. It's awful. It's awful. But anyway, um, I think for the sake of not rambling on and on and on about unrelated things, I'm probably going to wrap it up now um, I'm sorry that this first episode is kind of a little bit rough, but I'm hoping that when I am able to bring guests in, it'll be way more interactive and um I mostly just wanted to put this first episode out so anybody listening or people that I could potentially have on the show just kind of know what direction I'm taking, who I am, where I'm at. That way we can start having like super fun conversations that are a little bit, I don't know. I expect things to to go hard and I expect things to be fun and lighthearted and the same all in the same show. So if you are still listening right now, thank you so much for, you know, just taking the time to tune in. And I hope that I hope that this will be, you know, a fun part of your week in the future. Um, I am Kayla and thank you for listening to my first episode of this podcast. And I hope you have a great rest of your day or night.